Are you ready for farm freedom? I think there's value in working for yourself and doing something for yourself. See what people want and then you make changes. There's value in the process, I think. Try to look around and start getting scrappy. I need to get this done, I want to get this done, but I don't have the money, how can I make it happen? If you're thinking of starting anything, whether it be a farm, a business, put one foot in front of the other and just start. Welcome to another episode of Farm Freedom. For today's homemade money interview, we've got Beth from Home to Roost Co. Their business is all about making custom cutting boards. And I say custom, they use templates, but they're unique cutting boards, as well as making farmhouse style uh, wall decor. The coolest part about their business, though, is that all of the timber used in their products is actually right off of their farm. And I love that from the conversation piece that it starts from the connection with your customers, all of that kind of stuff. One other thing I really loved hearing about in this uh, this interview with her is that their business didn't start as a specific plan of we're going to make these signs, we're going to make cutting boards, and we're going to turn it into our business. It really, she talks about it, how it started as a really organic sort of thing, kind of just had an idea one day, went with it, they've gone with it, they've run with it. And now you'll hear it at the end, how she talks about how this actually has kind of combined with what they do, both on their farm and in their business, to kind of give something even cooler back with their community, something that they're working on building right now. So I hope you love this episode as much as I did. It's obviously one of our longer ones. I apologize for that. But man, there was so much good stuff in here. It was really hard to cut it down. So give it a listen. Always let us know what you think. Enjoy. All right. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from. Um, how long have you been doing your farm homestead situation? Just fun fact about you, something like that. Sure. Um, so I'm Beth and Kevin and I have been together for 15 years. We have a small homestead in Western New York, which is um, a lot of times when people think New York, they think New York City, but we're actually really rural. Yep. <laughs> on the very rural, on the pretty much on the Pennsylvania border in Western New York. Um, we okay. raise chickens, meat chickens, beef, and um, beef and pork. And let's see, we also have a large vegetable garden and preserve a lot of our own foods and have over the years continued to try to be more self-sustainable and just trying to be in more in control of our own food source. So we didn't obviously start out with all those things, but it's slowly progressed and gotten bigger over the years. So yeah, we actually, it's the story's kind of funny. It, I think it was 2007 we got started with chickens and only just because a neighbor of ours had gotten an order of chicks from a hatchery and they duplicated his order. Oh, and <laughs> yeah. And so I think I want to say it's been so long. I think that he ordered 25 chicks and they sent 50 and he didn't have room for them. They didn't have record of the duplication and wouldn't take them back. And this was like 2007 prior to Facebook marketplace and all those right. things. Where he could have <laughs> rid of them easily, but he asked if we would take them. And so we got a coop going and took those chicks and that's kind of, kind of how we got started from there. Man. So 
you know how many people yeah. are listening and they're like, I want 25 free chickens from the neighbor for <laughs> right? a du- Where's my duplicate order? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh so gosh, yeah, what a dream. Know, I think I think from there, like I said, that was like 2007. Yeah, we got started with that in about 2007. Then 2008 came and, you know, the the economy kind of mirrors like what Mm -hmm. we're going through right now. Right. Not so much with shortages so much, but grocery store prices, gas prices, things like that. That was a big bubble. Yep. It was. And we didn't. We were only maybe 22, 23 at the time. So like now we're weathering this much better than we were, I mean, a lot younger. So mm-hmm. we got started mostly with beef and pork as a way to save money, really not because we were, you know, wanting to do this homestead thing, but it really, we're, we're going to wholesale clubs and buying big pork loins and then cutting it up and freezing it and doing that mm-hmm. ourselves. And it's like, maybe we can even do this cheaper. Maybe we can raise our own. And, um, our neighbors have a barn up the road that we were able to use. And we, um, kind of paid them rent for their barn before ours was built in pork and beef. And, um, yeah, so it really worked out, but I mean, it wasn't, we didn't really start out with this big dream of having this homestead. It was more from a, I'll say from a frugality standpoint, um, and save saving money. So, yeah. And then, I mean, over the years it's progressed and we've raised pork for, um, selling it by the half or whole for other people Mm -hmm. and not so much the beef. We haven't really gotten into that. We mostly keep that for ourselves, but, um, yeah. And then meat birds and, but we found as we went through this, that the superior quality that we were getting raising our own was it far surpassed anything that you were going to get in a store or even at a restaurant, we kind of got spoiled. Like, Oh, this is kind of, this isn't <laughs> as good of a steak as yep. our steak. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I mean, that's kind of how it started. And now we just prefer our own. So, yeah. I really love that. You said that total side note that you paid for, I'm going to call it rental space in the neighbor's barn with meat. I think that is such yeah. a cool idea that I think a lot of people don't think of. And yeah. I think there's also kind of a, like a, I'd call it like a pride point almost where people are like, Oh no, no, no. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna barter. I'm going to build my own barn. I'm going to have my own. Right. And it's, it's this mm-hmm. idea of like, I'm not doing it right. Or I'm not doing it good enough or something, unless I have the barn and the pastures and the picturesque fencing and all that kind of stuff. But I've heard that from a number of people lately, as we've been doing these interviews that this idea of like, it's this old fashioned, just bartering, like, Hey, I have something and you have something and we can be mutually beneficial here. Right. I love that you guys did that. I actually didn't realize that you guys did do the beef and pork. You don't post yep. about that much on your account. I think so. No, no, not too much. Not too much. I should do that more. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think it's, I think you have to get scrappy. So many people think that you have to have mm-hmm. money to have to have money to do it. And really it's just looking around and using what you, what you have. I think. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad yeah. you said that. What a great soundbite for people to get in their heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Awesome. So it sounds like you kind of didn't really, I don't want to call it chose to homestead and farm. Like a lot of people maybe did. You kind of were like accidental homesteaders turned totally committed. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think that's fair to say for sure. 
For sure. And we've always, um, I didn't really grow up like this, but Kevin more so he grew up chopping a lot of firewood and kind of always had that frugal sense about him where for me, it was more learned and conditioned, I think. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it works well for us. And I mean, saving money, using what you have and what resources are available for you is definitely, it's a skill and an asset, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd agree for sure. It's definitely a skill. I think there's a lot of people who think like, oh yeah, I'm just going to read this like article online about frugal living and it's just going to happen. It's like, no, you have to actually like, it takes work. You can't just, you know, we almost did that last night where it was a rough night with kids. I'm like, can we just order dinner? Can we just get a pizza from like, it's 10 bucks from from Wegmans. Can we just get a pizza? I'm like, no, 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 you have to cook something. And man, that's taxing, but you know, you got to do it. The actual tax is worse, but definitely. Um, For sure. (laughs) Right. So let me ask you this then, as far as how you guys have kind of done this, you did mention, I like your, your word choice because it matches our most favorite word choice um, of building a self-sustainable lifestyle. Would you say that that was something that was really in your head um, as you got into both your farm and your homemade money that we're going to get into soon? Was it mm-hmm. something you guys were on the same page with that like that was really the driving force of it or did it come from somewhere else? How did the self-sustainable um, focus come into this for you guys? Well, I, and I don't think it was like, we started out like that for, for sure. Um, we've kind of built on this over the years and uh, I mean, the garden definitely helps, um, and the canning and things like that. But I think the more canning and the more preserving our own food that we got under our belt, the more confidence we had going forward, like, um, well, we can, if we grew 20 pounds of potatoes next year, this year, we can grow 50 pounds next year. Um, and our garlic patch, and you just see, like, we just keep building and building and building and trying to do more every year. And yeah, I don't think it's something that you start out saying, this is how this is going to be the grand plan of it. I think that you just, learn what works along the way and go with it. If something doesn't work, throw it out and, you know, keep, keep going with what does work. So, and, and for us, especially with the, with the food shortages and you saw it all last year and now it's starting again, it's coming back. Um, Food security is a big thing for us and not so much that the fear of going hungry, but the fear of having to eat stuff that we don't want to, you know? Right. Um, right. I love having freezers full of beef and pork and chicken and opening the pantry and seeing cans of green beans or, you know, or having, having a skill to say, here's a recipe. I don't have every single ingredient, but this will work, you know? Right. You've got enough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You got enough put aside that you can make it work, even if you mm-hmm. have to substitute ingredients and get a little creative. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I when the that's... pandemic first started last year, mm-hmm. I remember saying, I'm not going to go to a grocery store again. This was, this was horrible. I'm not going again. Nice. <laughs> remember saying we have <laughs> enough food here for like probably two years. 
And I don't care if we're on the eating the last can of green beans for breakfast. I'm not going back. <laughs> oh, no, <I'm laughs> obviously, <with you. laughs> obviously things have changed and shifted a little bit, but you make work what, what you have to, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, that's why yeah. I like your choice of the word self-sustainable. Cause I think it's really close to the word self-sufficiency, but and that's, you know, a future episode here, but there are some nuances in terms of being self-sufficient versus being self-sustainable. And I think you guys definitely have crossed over into that idea of, I'm not just going to grow my own. I'm going to also supply my own kind of from the start. Like it's a full cycle. It's a full system. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, not like, everything is there, you know, it, not everything right. is there. There's some things that are self-sustainable and other things that we could definitely do better on. Um, Right. And it like, that's the growing thing too. You know what I mean? Right. Like later on, you know, you just keep building on it. Yep. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, it's the perfect lead into me to your homemade money idea that you've got going. I shouldn't call it an idea, your homemade money business, <laughs> um, because you do really obviously bring that idea of sustainability kind of to life with how you guys run your business. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So that was the perfect lead in yeah. to tell yeah. us what is in your words, what is your main source of homemade money? Tell us a little bit about it. And sure. I guess why you got started on that. Why is that what you guys do? Okay. So again, <laughs> it's not like we had this big dream that was going to be mm-hmm. this business that just started out very slow and very organically. Um, our business is called Home to Roost, and it's a business crafting uh, farmhouse style decor, which is mm-hmm. um, like wooden signs and cutting boards. And we also do personalized crocs, like fermenting crocs. Um, mm-hmm. It started out as a hobby for me. I got a um, die cutting machine. And I started making, I guess I got it in 2018, November of 2018. So I started making signs just for family for Christmas presents. And I had a day off from my day job and Kevin had to go to work that day. (laughs) So I was by myself doing my signs, having a good time, thinking how cool it was. I didn't have to go to work. (laughs) Then I said, Oh no, that's the first inch right there. Yeah, I was by myself. <laughs> yeah, I was by myself coming up with these ideas. And mm-hmm. I was like, what if, what if I could make money doing this? And I never had to go back to that job. Wouldn't that be so cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. So then hanging out by myself, my ideas kind of get away from me. And I just keep dreaming yep. of never having <laughs> to go back. Yep. And so by the time Kevin got home that day, I had come up with a name and a logo home to roost. And that kind of came about, I don't know, there's an old saying, um, like when your chickens come home to roost, meaning karma, or, you know, he's finally got what he had coming, you know, when, when when his chickens come home to roost, I'm like, that's kind of a cool name. We have chickens, it's home decor. Let's go with that. And then I made my logo Very cool. and then cat. And then I opened the Etsy store and Kevin got home and I said, I made a business for us. And he just, Oh my, Oh dear. All right. Yeah. I was thinking like, so, this is the last time you take a vacation day on your own. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What oh have you got gosh. me into? <laughs> yep. So 
I mean, that's literally how it started. No plan whatsoever. But as it kind of, and it was a really slow start. It, we basically started, I guess the beginning of 2019 is when things started slowly working. You, you open a Facebook page and, you know, you get a few orders from friends and family, which we're super grateful for. But I started out making signs for kids just because I was making a lot of stuff for nieces and nephews around the holiday season. And I could throw those in our online shop. And then as more people started asking me, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? We definitely kind of pivoted and started listening to what people wanted instead of just like looking at Pinterest and Google for different ideas, listening to what people wanted. And Kevin is very talented with woodworking so he had taken a pattern, our, one of our neighbors, um, they're older, I think they're in their 80s, and she had a cutting board that was in the shape of a pig, and her <laughs> husband had, had made it for her in seventh grade shop class, and she Aww. still had it and still used it. He's like, I want to get that um, cutting board from her, and we're going to make another one. So we did, and that That's was so our cool. first cutting board. But when we put that online, somebody said, hey, can you do a horse and an owl and a bear? Okay, sure. We'll entertain that. And I mean, as you get listening to what people want and what's out there, our horse is our best selling cutting board now, just because, you know, you're listening and to what people want. And if one person wants a horse, I'm sure somebody else will want a horse. So you can kind of take those ideas and put them in your shop and throw it out there and see if it's something that will somebody else wants and if they don't then you can take it you know take it out of your shop but so we ended up getting through 2019 we it was very very slow going but we had a lot to learn during that time and I wouldn't have wanted it to probably be any busier just because we had so much to learn as we were going but 2019 Christmas really kind of kicked in the gear and I thought boy this would be nice if we kind of kept this pace throughout, we could actually see a good side income coming. So the beginning of 2020, I ended up taking a class on search engine optimization to try to get our products in front of more people online because I didn't know how to do that. And that really, really helped. And from there, we started getting a lot more steady, steady orders. Um, So, yeah, I mean, most of our, um, most of our signs and all of our cutting boards are made from wood that is taken off our property or our neighbor's property and sawed on the sawmill at our house. So that's kind of what makes our products a little bit, you, I, well, not a little bit. I think that's what makes them unique, but it comes back to that mindset of, I didn't start out with this grand business plan of we're going to do cutting boards and have nine different cutting boards, these farmhouse signs, and our business will um, be, you know, custom cut um, lumber from trees harvested here. And that's how it's going to be. So we'll need to buy a sawmill and we'll need to, it was none of that branding really came into play until I had posted just a little video of Kevin using the sawmill in our process. And to me, that was just how they're made. We did that because it was the least, it was cost-effective because we already had the wood. 
but people were like, that is so cool. We just think that that's amazing. And it's like, this really does position us differently than what other people are doing. So let's go with it. Like, you know, but the the people tell you what they think is, you just got to keep your ears open. You know, what are people responding to? But yeah, so our brand has definitely evolved based on, based on that, but we didn't start out like that. You know, it started as we have wood, we have a sawmill, basically start where you are, use what you can and um, use what you have and do what you can has been our, my philosophy on it. Yeah. I remember when I first found your account a while ago now, um, then I was telling my husband about it and I'm like, they do this with the timber off of their own land. He's like, that's the Mm. coolest thing. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. You know, because so many people that do these, you know, wooden signs, comparable kind of products on Etsy shops and everything, they're buying the lumber, you know, Mm -hmm. they're buying it. I don't even know where they're getting it from, whether it's a craft supplier and they're going to home Depot and buying a project panel or something. So many of those are already bought from like this commercial endeavor. And that was, like I said, one of the things I loved about what you guys are doing is that it's like, we're, you know, I'm sure being kind of conscientious about which trees you're harvesting. You're not just like, you know, it's not like when a develop housing development comes in where it's just like, let's just plow down all these trees, you know, yeah. and just we'll yeah. work on the stack. You know, I know you guys are, I mean, I've seen the pictures on your Instagram that it's not like you've just all of a sudden got like this huge chunk of stumps around your property. No, so, no. you know, you guys are definitely no. careful about that. And I think that that does make it a huge distinguishing feature in terms of, you know, what your business offers, because we're not just offering a product that you want. We're offering it in a way that's not going to totally destroy the world, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it's funny. Like sometimes when you're in it, you don't see the uniqueness of what you have. Like our, that sawmill built our whole barn, um, which I think is, I think it's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've, I've just like lived in it so long uh, years ago. So our, the home where we live was completely surrounded by woods. There really was not any yard at all. And years ago, Kevin came across probably on Craigslist, a bulldozer that he had to have. So (laughs) he, he bought this bulldozer. (laughs) He bought this bulldozer and now we have a huge yard and it's like, you come up our driveway and it's like this little, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say paradise, but it really, it's quiet and nice and open. And it's like this little open spot nestled in the woods. Yes, exactly. But I mean, a lot of those trees and everything that were knocked down with the bulldozer, it was a result of creating more yard and and usable land around us, but it also twofold could be used as lumber to build the barn or cutting boards or, you know, other projects around here. So, yeah. And I think, I I think that's also a a good statement too. You guys obviously do have a, I'm going to call it like a business mindset in that sense. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people would look at that timber and they'd be like, well, I guess we'll chop it up and like, we'll use it as firewood or something. And, you know, especially in, (laughs) right. Especially in today's world, most Mm -hmm. houses are not wood fireplaces anymore or even, you know, wood stoves are even getting harder to come by for a lot of people. And so, you know, yeah, I suppose in in kind of farm life, that might be different, but there are still Mm -hmm. a lot of people that don't burn fires in their house. They're not, you know, you do a campfire bonfire with your friends or family or something, you know, once a month Mm -hmm. or a couple, you know, a few times a summer, whatever it might be. And so most of that wood would just sit there and it would season and it'd be great firewood and you could sell the firewood, but like, that's it. And you can obviously 
probably get a lot more uh, value out of that timber if you can turn it into something like a barn, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, fencing for animals or, you know, yep. make a custom garden box trough or something, right? Garden boxes, food troughs, yep. what you're doing mm-hmm. with cutting boards and signs and everything. And so I think that that was definitely. I'm giving it as a credit to you guys for having an eye for this is more than just firewood. This is more than just scrap lumber kind of thing that it's like, let's actually do something with all of this. And I think a lot and of I people that, don't look around like that quite the same way. I give Kevin the credit for that. He's um, in high school. He took a class. It was, it was something more. Um, it was something bigger than just wood shop, but I mean, they had used, um, a sawmill there. And so he knew Mm, an awful lot about it. And he also has, I don't know if it was self-taught or what he's very good at grading lumber, like looking at things and knowing, I mean, in some sense, knowing knowing quality of it, right. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Is it. And I mean, it sounds simple, but I didn't, I don't have an eye for that kind of stuff. Is it a straight tree? Is it, you know, cherry, maple, oak, ash, you know, what's gonna, what, you know, what is a tree? You know, he can just look at the bark and no, I don't, I have to look at the leaves and this time of year, there's no leaves on the tree. So I don't, I don't know, but that's where our skill set comes into play. You know, we're we're very, very different. And he kind of takes, um, takes control of all the wood aspect, knows how long it has to dry, knows, he knows mm-hmm. all that stuff. So that's where I give him credit for. And the, and I mean, I do take care of the stuff that he doesn't have any interest in doing, you know, marketing, social media, a lot of the customer service stuff that right, isn't right. really up his alley either. So yeah, our I skills like that you guys, complement each other well. I was going to say, I like that you guys are continuing to build You've already built it more than well enough, but you know, every, everything you guys are doing, I love that it's not just a teamwork effort, but it's a, a balance of you do what's best for you and I'll do what's better for me. And I, I love that your guys, your skills complement each other. I don't know if it's a coincidence mm-hmm. that they do, but it's like, it's the perfectly designed business for you guys that, you know, it his skills are complementary in the fact that like he can do such a great foundation kind of setup for these products you're making. And then you're mm-hmm. doing all this great work to really kind of, I guess, close the deal, you know, and make it. So it's like, here's the presentation. Here's the, you see this, you have no question, but to say like, or, or no thought other than like, this is so cool. I love it. I mm-hmm. love that it's off their farm. We got to, you know, we got to buy it done. Yeah. But thank very, you. Very cool that your that your skills complement each other. Um, it's and it's actually skills, that's, but it's that's, like personality too. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's the, it's like it's the whole package. But I I mean, I'm just I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back to some of these other interviews that we've done and and the other ones coming, and I'm sitting here thinking like, how would this work if it were more one sided? You know, like mm-hmm. if you, you know, if if he weren't interested in helping, you know, or or how like and we've right. seen that we've seen that from most of the people we've talked to so far that it really is that, you know, both of you have to be on board kind of thing. It's got to be a team. And we've, we've talked to some people that are totally on their own. And so it's not like, it ha- you know, none of these ideas have to be like, you know, you have to be a two person farm and you mm-hmm. have to both be on board for it or anything, but it's, it's just a very, it's been very cool across a lot of these interviews. And yours is, I think the best example of it to see people finding these ideas of how to make money from home, but 
we're doing it in a way that both of us can contribute and maybe it's equal and maybe it's not because it kind of sounds like correct me if I'm wrong he's still stuck in the day job kind of thing he is <laughs> you yeah, get to be home is. now so yeah I'm I'm working part-time now um but I do get to be home a lot more and but and come I'm thinking January that he's going to be coming home too and um not really by choice but and I know that you know part of this backstory but it's mm-hmm. a story that kind of runs parallel to our business and life here but we both worked in the same shop in town um I worked there for 15 years he's 13 so we had 28 years between us in this job in town and they said that they were closing their doors in February Mm. of last year um fortunately was that COVID related or was it just a coincidence it wasn't it was not um that's tough they're in a gas and oil field so Mm. um yeah so um they're slowly transitioning to close. And I had been very unhappy in my job for, I stayed probably five years too long. And about two weeks before they had, (laughs) had announced that they were closing, I had taken another part-time job. Um, I had had my fill and said, this business has to, we're running beside it right now. I can take a jump off of this thing and Mm -hmm. work part-time. I, you know, I had cleared our debt a couple, three years before that. So I was trying to put us in a position where we didn't have to go there anymore or else say, if we're going to go, we're keeping all the money for ourselves. It's not going to be going out the door for payments. You know what I mean? If we have to show up here, I mean, and maybe things, cause you guys are different, not different, but I mean, it's a, a little bit different demographic up toward Rochester than it is in our county down here. Um, I didn't realize until I recently got, um, started getting more into our cooperative extension. I joined the board there Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago, and I didn't realize that our counties down here are some of the lowest like poverty rates around here. And so like, good jobs. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, you know, good jobs are hard to find. So you kind of get to this point where you feel stuck somewhere. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. guilty if you're going to yeah. leave a good job. Um, yeah. But in, in February, I took that other job. And then two weeks later, they announced they were closing. So no. I wasn't, you know, it was a hit. But also it was like that's validation that I, inner validation that I need to know that I made the right choice. I wasn't going to have a job anyways. So let's move forward and do what we can with this. And hopefully by the time he's, when he leaves and we're thinking January-ish, um, that this will be enough for, for both of us. So that's the goal. That's a (laughs) good, um, that's a good piece of your story too, I guess would be the way to put it that, you know, you, you kind of you know, you took a day off, you came up with the sign idea. And then, you know, it's kind of one of those in hindsight, like, man, it's a good thing we did this because mm-hmm. you're not stuck going, you know, crap, I lost my job. Now what? And mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that you were working hard and paying your debts off before that, because, you know, 
there's a million different personal finance experts and blogs and, you know, CNN money and whatever it is that you want to want to listen to that they'll tell you, oh, pay off your debt, pay off your debt. And then they're the same people that are like, oh, here's a really great new credit card with, you know, all yeah. these perks and no miles. And it's, like, it's like, thanks. You're not really helping when you tell me like, go get this credit card, but also don't have credit cards. Like, thanks. But, right. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, yeah I, I love that. <laughs> I love that you're, you're, you're making a great point for, for anybody who's kind of going to this homemade money kind of realm of, you know, it's not just let's make some kind of home business that makes money so that we can have more money to keep doing what we're doing. The whole point is to really take control of your life. And, you know, you're kind of at the point now where I think you guys are seeing that coming, kind of coming even more to life that, you know, Mm -hmm. if he's going to be coming home from that job too, aren't, aren't you glad, you know, I'm sure you are, but aren't you glad you've got this business going where it's like, all right, now we just are just going to throw more time into this. It's right. only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. And, and because we're I mean, both working the, right. full time with this, we are able to pretty much take the income from the handmade business and pour it back, pour it back into it. Um, right. Just, I mean, just because we started with very, I'm just going to say primitive equipment, we've mm-hmm. been able to upgrade it, um, get some, get a filtration system for the shop. And now we're building onto the shop. Um, but we wouldn't have been able to, so we are, you know, grateful for the full-time jobs too, because like I said, this was able to kind of run beside it and we've been able to upgrade equipment and things along the way. So where if we, if we relied solely on the income of the handmade business, we might not have been able to do those upgrades. Right. So, and that's a great takeaway for a lot of people listening and thinking Mm -hmm. about it, that you guys did start this, you know, not when even though, you know, I think a lot of people listening are perhaps, like I said, like me, like one of us at home, one of us working, but I love that. Speaking of home, there goes my kids. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people listening are, you know, one at home, one at work, but you guys started this both still working, which obviously is, you know, a huge set of demands on your time, but mm-hmm. to be able to grow it when it's not, you know, I need the income from this. I mean, yeah, if you have to start a homemade business because you need the extra income, then by all means do it. But if you can do it in a way where you can reinvest into it, it's only going to grow better. It's only going to grow faster. Sure. And yeah. I think that's, that's so cool that you guys had the opportunity and the, the time and the, the skills and all that kind of stuff came together for you guys to do this. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Um, I mean, you've really, you've talked about like the primitive, you know, you had primitive equipment. You guys obviously have the sawmill. Um, You mentioned, you know, drying the wood, that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a little more of the actual process of like, you know, start to finish? I have, I don't know, six trees on my, in my yard that I'm going to go cut down because they just got to move. I'm going to make some signs and I'm going to sell them, you know, at the farmer's market or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the church craft sale or, or whatever it might be somebody wants to get started small, what kind of equipment would I need, whether it's to buy it or, you know, a sawmill is expensive. Do I need to rent one? Where could I get it? You know, that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but give us a little bit about your process of what would it take for somebody to do this from home? And I'm, I'm going to make the assumption starting from, from zero. I don't think most, I think most people don't have sawmills laying around. So probably, probably not. (laughs) So I'll just tell you our process. Um, it's actually yesterday he cut down a tree and it wasn't because we quote unquote needed wood for the business, but we're putting up mm-hmm. a maple shack. So that tree likely will be used for hardwoods here, but it also, we needed to make room for the maple shack. 
So he cut that down and he will put some chains on it and drag it by tractor over to the sawmill. Well, we'll have to take off the branches and get rid of all the brush and stuff like that from the tree. And then the, he'll take it by tractor over to the sawmill and set it up. And from there, he can saw the logs and then it would need to dry. So typically we put them upstairs in our barn, the boards, or we take them to the barn up the road where they'll dry. And then I forget the, it's a meter and I don't know the name of it, but you can test the moisture of the wood to see if it's going to be ready to um, make into a sign, because if not, the, your wood's going to kind of curl or bend a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yep. So you want to make sure it's nice and dry. And so what we'll do if it's, if it's close and we need wood this time of year, it's perfect to bring into our shop. That's there's a wood stove out there. So it only takes um, a few cheap. days to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only takes really a few days to, you know, continue drying. So from there we have the, the boards and then he'll take the hardwoods and it's nice if you have a good mixture of like oak and maple, ash and cherry. I don't know. I think that's primarily what we have. A couple different kinds of oak, maybe. Um, he'll cut the boards into one inch strips and then glue them all together. And then the glue will dry for about a day. And then we can run them through a 20 inch planer, which is basically um, smoothing the top of the top mm -hmm. and bottom of that because your hardwood's going to be like rough, you know, it's a rough right. slab. So you really want it smoothed down. So you run it through the planer several times. And then from there, he will trace out. Um, we have patterns for each of our cutting boards. So we have a horse, a buffalo, a bear, a United States board, a chicken. There's a couple more I'm probably missing in there, but we trace those out. And then on a scroll saw, he will cut them. A scroll saw is just a little, it does pretty intricate, right? Intricate work where you can, yep. yeah, yep, yep. And he's, he's excellent at it. It requires quite a bit of finesse. I told him it was last week. I said, I'm going to learn to use that scroll saw. He's like, well, you can, <laughs> you can learn. Here's a crummy piece of wood you can practice on. And I, I, it took me a long time and it, my piece was not salable whatsoever, but I mean, it wasn't the worst. It was, it was a good first try, but he's a lot Hanging better on, of that yeah. than me. Hanging on the wall at home. It's a memory yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so then from, from there, once you have your piece cut out, he takes a, um, a hand router and then kind of, um, rounds the edges to give it a finished look. And then it's sanded and oiled. I use a, a mineral oil on them. It kind of bring, it preserves the wood, but it also brings out a lot of the character and gives it a really finished, a finished look. Mm -hmm. So then from there, I let that oil dry for about a day and then it's ready to go. I put some instructions on how to care for your cutting board that comes with each one and a brochure. And then we wrap them up and ship them out. So, I mean, it is quite a process from start to finish. Very so, cool. And yeah. I assume it's a, a somewhat comparable process other than obviously like the finished paint and stuff for when you guys do the, um, like the text signs. 
Cause yep. obviously yep. you're not going to like scroll saw those into shapes necessarily, no. are, you know, more rectangular, but similar no. kind of idea of, you know, the drying, the cutting and all that gluing the strips together, sanding, finishing. Yeah. We don't glue the strips together for the signs, but we, so when we first started okay. out, this was a, and this was a first year growing pains problem, I guess you could say. I was doing anything and everything that if somebody wanted something, yep, you want this size, we'll do it. And so, <laughs> you, you know, when you're first starting out, you want any order that you can get and you're happy to do it. And, and I mean, we still are, but what it would come down to is every day, like he's busy doing his own thing. And I would say, I, uh, I need a board that is 13 inches by this long. And he's like, really that we don't even have boards that size. Like, so we sat down he's like, you got to come up with what sizes we're doing here and mm -hmm. I'll start so cutting them eventually. And exactly. And start okay. stocking each size that we need. And then you can tell customers we don't have that size, but we have this. Okay. And I mean, it, it was, it was a growing pain at first, but eventually we got it. And now he can look out um, in the shop and see, okay, well, we're running low on five by tens. I better rip a few more of those out and get me stocked up out there on all those. But he's able to do that cutting process, you know, once a week or whenever he looks over and sees, I better stock us back up on this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of every single time I sell a sign, him having to come up with, <laughs> right. you know, that was- And I'm sure that, I'm sure that helps your turnaround time too. Yeah, sure. and it helps, yep. your, it helps your lead time for sure in terms of customer delivery that it's like, uh, yeah, I don't have to wait until like next weekend or something when he can, you know, get to the tree, get it cut, get, you know, all that. And Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let me ask so you we've, total, total side note question if I can, just because mm -hmm. I sure. grew up that I haven't used a squirrel saw since like probably tech class in school. Um, mm -hmm. So as somebody who grew up with a dad who knows everything and anything about lumber, um, cause he actually did like remodeling and construction stuff. So I, I, I know a lot more about lumber than I guess I realized I, I do. Um, that you were saying, <laughs> I don't know. I might, <laughs> I might, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I do, but God, God only knows how much I know about things that are so obscure, but so you had mentioned like you have the mix of the hardwoods, um, just to go back to that for a second, when you said you, you glue the strips together for like the cutting boards, do you actually mm -hmm. mix all the different woods together to do that? Or is it just he like does. strips of, oh, very cool. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. Um, yeah. I'll have to send you a picture, but I love, um, and that's why every single one is different. And that's kind of how I list them online is a mixture of any variety of hardwoods. Um, so if we have a bunch of cherry that's dry, sometimes you might get a, a cutting board that's all cherry, but Kevin's really creative and he's almost, he pushes himself to kind of say, well, I kind of want to mix some oak into it. You know, he, he, oh, his like creative juices kind of get flowing when he's Very able cool. to mix a couple different pieces of wood and see the character come through on the wood. Mm -hmm. And I love the, I love the look of some of them that have like the ash through them. Um, I love it. Yep. Every single one of them is different. Um, so nobody's getting a cookie, you know, cookie cutter piece. It's right. It's they're all different. Um, okay. Very cool. So that's I wasn't sure how we sell them. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you meant that you always mix them or if you like just sometimes mix them, but um, as far as wood types too. Now I, I have, for example, a farm that has for some reason, an insane number of pine trees. So if mm -hmm. I were to ever thin those out, knowing what I know about woods, knowing that pine is a very soft wood, 
Would mm-hmm. that be something that you would, right? For anybody else listening who has pine trees and they're going, oh, cool. We wanted to cut some down. Can we use those and make some wood signs? Would pine For be the good signs, candidate? yes. For the, the signs, signs, yes, but, but for, for the cutting, cutting boards. boards. Right. Nope. I think the, the hardwoods can definitely take a little bit more abuse. That's what um, right. I tell people, like for the cuts and things like that. And that's but what- They're called hard. So. Exactly. <laughs> we, um, so many people, when they get a, one of our cutting boards say, well, yeah, it's so pretty. I just leave it in the kitchen for a decoration because I don't want to use it. And <laughs> we have cutting boards that we use regularly. And as long as they're taken care of and oiled every few weeks or, you know, whenever it looks dry, just give it a right. touch of oil. Okay. Um, they'll last forever. Like similarly, we go back to our first cutting board with that couple with the pig. Um, mm-hmm. She's had that board since seventh grade. She's in her eighties and uses it daily in her house. So uh-huh. yeah, I mean, as long as you have the right type of woods, they'll definitely put up with some abuse. I'm sure it's not as pretty now as it was in seventh grade, but yeah, you know, it has, you know. it has life on it now. It's, yes, it's good. exactly. It's exactly. even better than it ever. It's better every day, right? It's seasoned. Yes. So then yeah, <laughs> yes. that's the word for it. It's seasoned. Um, <laughs> so as, as far as these cutting boards, you mentioned something that I think um, maybe might not be knowledge for some people who are listening to this thinking about, right? We, we covered, if you have softwoods, don't use them for cutting boards. Not going to be a good choice, but they're fine for signs. Mm-hmm. Hardwoods are what you want for cutting boards. Um, mm-hmm. And you're talking about use mineral oil. And it sounds like there's some maintenance to go with these cutting boards. Cause I think it's, it's actually hard to find, I think, good wooden cutting boards, like at target or something these days that like yeah. everything mm-hmm. is just these plastic ones or vinyl or whatever they might be. There's yep. obviously been, um, you know, perhaps partly hygiene, mostly, oh, good marketing mm-hmm. that I can convince you to buy like this, you know, 17 set of cutting boards so that you have like, you know, don't cut your fish and your meat and your vegetables and your bread and all like you need a separate cutting yeah. board for every type of food in your kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. And it gets a little out of control, obviously for storage and everything. So in terms of if I want, you know, kind of like what our grandma's had of like that one good wood cutting board, like your neighbor with the pig cutting board that I'm just going to use this for everything in my, this is my, the, this is my chopping block. This is my, mm-hmm. you know, my work center. What does it take to maintain one of those cutting boards? Um, Cause obviously you can't just, you know, make a cutting board, put oil on it and hope that that's going to be good enough in terms of not potentially absorbing, you know, juices from raw meats or anything like that growing bacteria, you know, and then like you're selling a great product, but if people are going to be having, you know, kind of like contamination problems, potential sickness, Mm -hmm. that obviously kind of comes back on your business because it's like, oh, it's, you know, there's stuff growing on this cutting board or whatever. So what does it take both for, uh, you know, on your end, making the cutting board to try and prevent that as well as what do you do in terms of customer education? Because it sounds like you're saying, you know, oil aboard every few weeks, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that's like a little kind of a care instructions that goes in with every product. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, to be honest, I hadn't really thought too much of the, um, meat situation. Um, I think most people use plastic these days just because it's easier to clean, but like in case there's anybody who, who wants to use, you know, the old butcher block kind of concept meat, you know, the wood, is there anything Um, special you'd have to do for that? We don't, we just, um, in our care instructions, just say, um, scrub with hot soapy water 
you know, hot soapy water, give it a good scrub. Mm -hmm. And um, we always make sure that they're completely dry before storing away. Um, so like this time of year, it's nice to just set them on top of the wood stove yep. <laughs> to be completely dry or, you know, just wherever it can get some air. So you want them to be completely dry before storing away. And you don't have to oil every single time, but um, if you just start like, to notice that it's getting a little bit dry, mm -hmm. a couple depths of oil, paper towel, wipe it down, and it's it's good to go. But I think so it's that the hot like soapy water is yeah that you exactly. don't usually have to yep. do it, but every so often if it needs it, yeah, okay, sure. yep. Yeah, I'm yep. thinking of like my grandma's cutting board that you know she's been using the same wooden cutting board. My mom's got the you know got one from my mom when they got married, kind of thing. It's like they've been using mm -hmm. that same wooden cutting board for like 30 years, and yep, nobody's gotten yep. sick from it. I'm sure it's fine, but you know, these no, days it's, it's the worth same, mentioning. Like, people have butcher blocks built into their counters right. Right. and things too. And I think that, that, um, we have one and that's the same way we take care of it. Hot soapy right. water and give her an oil every once in a while. And it's, it's good to go. Yeah. We looked in the butcher oh. block, um, when we, when we put an Island in our old house and we were like, no, mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to maintain oiling it every <laughs> so often. So yeah, yeah. I, know, I know, but yeah, in terms of like, just maintenance and everything, but that's a good, a good note of, you know, make sure your customers know to take care of it or else mm -hmm. you perhaps do risk, you know, the wood cracking on a level that you can't yep. see and getting stuff in it, growing grossness. Yep. And yeah. Yep. So yep. is there anything, um, let me word this a little bit differently for somebody listening and thinking about starting this as their, you know, their kind of their home business. If they don't know anything about wood about trees mm -hmm. what would be a good resource for them if you can think of one um for kind of getting to know which trees on their property would be good candidates and good types because like you said your husband can recognize you know a straight tree this one's this this one's good this one's not going to be good for it that kind of thing mm -hmm. um you know i know obviously i think most people know the difference between like a pine tree and a maple tree yeah but <laughs> there are some other you know, certain types of hardwoods, for example, are going to be better than others. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of trees out there. Sure. How would you get started knowing which ones are the right ones to use and which ones would be good candidates for harvesting versus would not be? Where could you, oh, where could you learn that? That's such a good question. I should, um, Kevin is my encyclopedia for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he kind of stays in his lane over there and I'm stay in my lane um that's okay if you can't answer it that's fine because it I sounds like know. he's definitely like learned it and I know he where is. I've learned I take it, from, it for but... granted I take him for granted <laughs> no I all don't. right so I then really we'll, we'll leave that as the note of <laughs> do some googling um perhaps find like a timbering service in your area that maybe could come take a look at them I will say actually... that the internet is yeah I didn't know how to you really I didn't know hardly anything about doing this business at first, but I wanted to do it. So, I mean, if you really want to know how to do something, start scratching and clawing and, you know, right. it, the internet, not everything is a valuable resource or should be considered a resource, but there is a lot of good resources out there. So just be careful right. on what you're trusting and, you know, um, yeah, no, he, he takes care of all of the, all of that. And right. I've, I've told them so many times, like, I'm so glad that you just know what's going on with this. Cause I have no, I, I have no idea Thank you for just being helpful. It's so great. Yeah. Would yeah. you say that it would be, um, 
And I'm thinking in terms of like sawmill and stuff, if there's a sawmill nearby, would they potentially be someone that you could call? Because I'm thinking like, we have a friend that's an arborist that like, I know I could call him if I ever wasn't, you know, if I ever got into this and be like, Hey, come tell me which ones would be good for this first, you know, cause I think they would definitely know. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. an arborist, their main business, you're going to call them when you need a tree removed. Cause you're, I don't know, putting in a swimming pool or Mm -hmm. when you have dead trees that, you know, problem trees that need to go, but you know, they're, they're definitely, I would think knowledgable enough to at least sure. you know, start you off. Maybe um, oh, they might yeah, have definitely. good resources for sawmill that if you did need to get a tree, I guess, processed elsewhere and then have the lumber mm-hmm. brought back to, to kind of start your business that yep. obviously going to be an expense, but that would that be a reasonable um, starting point for people who don't have the equipment in such a home? Like if I literally oh, don't even have a chainsaw and a tractor, I can't do anything right. of it. So Right. Sounds like that's yeah, okay. no, anybody that has a sawmill or a tree, you know, anybody like that is gonna know what they're talking about for sure. More so than okay. I more so than I would. <laughs> so it's a good starting resource for people. Um, exactly. Yep. Okay. So what would you say? Um I'm trying to think of how to word this. For somebody who wants to start this on the side, um, <clears throat> excuse me, around like a full-time job obviously you're not going to necessarily see the same, um, you know, profit growth doing this around, you know, two people working full-time jobs as you would, if you're doing this as a full-time business. But do you have a guess, um, as to if I were to say, you know, today, as of we're recording this and I said, you know what, this is awesome. We're going to do this too. Would you have a guess as to how long I would expect, to turn this around before I'd start to see what I will call a more appreciable income. Doesn't have to be like a full-time income. I'm quitting my job kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I want to cover, you know, a few hundred bucks in groceries every month with this. What would you think, what would you think a reasonable time frame would be for that? And, and it doesn't have to just be, you know, oh, we'll just make stuff and sell it because like, I'm, you know, I wrote a note here that you took an SEO course, search mm-hmm. engine optimization early last year. I think you said it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's not just as simple as make the stuff, put it on an Etsy store and boom, you're going to get sales. So reasonably right. knowing what it takes both for the craftsmanship, for the, um, the tech side of things, for the marketing, all of that. Yes, you can go to vendor stores locally and skip the marketing online, all that kind of stuff. But what would you think would be a reasonable guess for within X amount of months or years or whatever it might be, you could pretty comfortably make a few hundred dollars that, you know, pays for your chicken feed or (laughs) buys your groceries or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, I think that we were at that point, the beginning of 2020, where it was um, enough to make a little bit of an impact that when I approached him about saying, I mean, we had just come off of a Christmas season, the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. So that was our first year. And it was like the first little bit of 2019, it was a little bit discouraging. You're getting one order a week or something. And, mm-hmm. um, it was still fun to do. So it wasn't, I wasn't going to hang my hat up on it yet. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't right. going to be done with it, but then right. Christmas came and it was like, I'm starting to see some potential here. So the beginning of 2020, when I approached him about, um, spending some money on taking this course, he said, yep, let's, you know, go ahead and do it. So we did. And from there, I mean, I think it, it depends what you want to put into it too. 
and you have to continue to learn and the technology is changing constantly. Um, you know, so I think the beginning of 2020 was when we started to see when it was worth it for us to put back into it and, um, go, you know, continue to go forward. 2020 was a pretty good year for us. And then, um, so once, once I got the SEO under my belt, a lot of Etsy's traffic, Etsy drives most of our traffic and most of our sales. So mm-hmm. the icing on the cake for me and a lot of the fun part is doing what we're doing with social media and showing the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of our, right. of our farm and product and process and letting people, letting people in to our lives a little bit too. Right. in your bottom um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, anybody that wants a cutting board or a farmhouse sign can just look on Google or Pinterest and buy one, but some, you know, through social media, people can get to know you and know the story behind it. And then all of a sudden they want something, if they want a farmhouse sign, they want it from you. They don't just want one from Google. They want it from you because they know where it came from. They feel like they know you and it's, it's, the stories behind the product that is the icing on the cake for us. And, and for me, that's the more creative and fun part of marketing too, is, is sharing that. So I think that's the, that is the icing on the cake as far as the income goes. Um, and it helps me feel like I have a little bit more control of like the work that you put into it, the more you put yourself out there the more you get in return. So that helps me mm, okay. kind of maintain and not control, but I don't know what I want to say, you know, that gives, helps me feel like I am able to do what Etsy, you know, fill in those gaps of what Etsy is not sending our way. Right. I can go get. So you'd say that the social basically. media aspect, like your Instagram really does help Mm-hmm. especially Christmas time. Like, yeah. Hmm. Yep. It, you definitely see it at Christmas time and holiday season because people are looking for those gifts. I think our right, business, the shop, itself, small business movements and yeah. Yeah. Like for me, um, and it, this might just be me being frugal because I've, I've always been like that. I am not the type of person that's going to splurge on something for myself, like a cutting board. I'm not going to splurge on myself for that because I've just always been, I'll get by with what I got, you know, I'll right. use what I got until I, and that's me. That's not everybody, mm-hmm. but that's me. Um, but Christmas time comes and somebody is seeking out a special gift for somebody, you know, right. I'm not right. going to buy that for myself, but I'll totally buy that for my mom or my sister or whatever, because I'm buying them a gift anyways. Why wouldn't I buy it from somebody right. I know, like, and trust and know their story and can share that with somebody else. So it's, yeah, we yeah, definitely see that come through at Christmas time. It's always, it's always been, I mean, just personal, you know, my personal life doing gifts for people. It's always been a bigger hit when you can do something that has a little bit of a story with it more mm-hmm. so than just like, Oh, I went to target and I got you some cutting boards for your house. Yeah, for Christmas. yeah exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Special. So it, yeah. sounds and like- it is more work. It's more work to shop small. Um, oh, but yeah you know, but I think the story is there. It. Exactly. Yeah. So it yeah. sounds like I'm, I'm not sure I have your timeline a hundred percent. Right. But it sounds like it's been 
you know, a good couple of years, then two, three Mm -hmm. years that you guys have been doing this, it kind of sounds like you'd say it probably took you about a year or so Mm -hmm. of working on it to really get to the point where you're like, all right, this is, this is something, this is a business. This can, this can kind of keep going, get off the ground kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going into our third Christmas here and yeah, I would say halfway through 2020, it was like, wow, the class I took is working. It's working. And then it was just at that point that I started like investing more of my time into social media as well. And as that's grown, you've seen, I mean, between the class that I took and what's working with the, with how we're, um, targeting our, um, target market online and, um, how it complements what we're doing with social media. It's a good mixture and it kind of all intertwined and weaved together the, the middle of 2020 and it's just kind of kept going and going and going. So we're happy with how I'm happy with, and I I'm sure that Kevin is too, with how fast we've grown because we did have a lot of growing pains to work out at first. And if we had scaled any larger sooner, it, it might've gotten, it, it might've gotten frustrating for both of us just because we're so different, but we've been able to take our time and slowly grow and, you know, and work things out slowly as, as we've been able to do that. Do you mind sharing what SEO course you took? Yeah, it was, um, Lauren Keplinger. Okay. She is, um, specifically for Etsy, which to me was important because SEO can be like, if you have a Shopify or e-commerce store, your own website, it's different. And so the way a lot of people that have had an Etsy store and have moved away from Etsy, a lot of times they're talking about like the high fees and things like that. Mm-hmm. But th- the thing to keep in mind is that Etsy is still a business as well. And they're making money when I'm making money and they want to push yeah. your product out. You know, they're, they're still a business. Right. They want you to make a sale. <laughs> exactly. Because they're going to make money too, but they only charge 5% per sale. So, and, and they're the ones that are pushing your product out. So for 5% to me, I'm not driving all of the traffic from s- social media to my website because like I said, the social media asp- aspect for me is the icing on the cake. I'd have to put so much more time into that. If I was driving those people to my website, I wouldn't have the traffic that Etsy is sending my way with the work that I've put into SEO, if that makes sense. Gotcha. I feel like I've heard the name because um, I mm-hmm. actually did talk to somebody it's a lost post on our site, but I did talk to somebody about, she's got an Etsy store for, I think, custom fabrics. Um, mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's where I heard the name from before, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard I definitely the name, I've recommend heard her. Lauren name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she really offers a lot of good tactical and logistical um, advice on, on here's exactly what you need to do. And it's still your own work. It's not cut and dry, go do this. And you're going to make a million dollars. You still have to put right, the work in right. and come up with your dream customer and come up with all those words on what they're searching for. But it definitely, she definitely helps you lay the foundation on what you need to do for your business. So I, yeah, I, that was the best, one of the best investments that I've, that I've done for, 
that we've done for this business. Duly noted. So, yeah. So let me, let me ask you this to kind of follow up on that since you're obviously an Etsy store or, well, you're more than an Etsy store, but you have an Etsy store. How about that? Mm -hmm. Um, How does that compare? What is it that made you go to Etsy? I know that kind of tends to be like for this kind of, you know, craft world, these homemade goods, small business kind of thing. A lot of people think, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'll go make an Etsy store. It is a great place, at least to start, I think for most people, because it's kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, there's no worrying about like the logistics and the tech of like, how do I get, you know, maybe you can make a web page and here's my product, but how do I get it into a shopping cart and handle payments and processing and all that kind of stuff? Um, do you think that it would be best for somebody? I'm thinking of, you know, I've, I've seen a fair number of people on Instagram that they have like a blog that goes with their farm, you know, page on Instagram. It wouldn't necessarily be that difficult to add like a shop page and a checkout cart software. And now I'm just going to add my stuff to my website and you can check out from there. Or Instagram has shops, Facebook has shops, you know, Facebook marketplace, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. What would you tell somebody who says, well, you know, there's so many different places that I can list this stuff. Should I list it everywhere? Should I just do an Instagram shop? Should I do an Etsy store as like a second thing to maintain maybe outside of my Instagram or my webpage or whatever it might be? What's the advantage of starting? And I think you kind of mentioned this in terms of processing and, and like the cut that they take, but also kind of the shared marketing responsibility almost. Right. Um, right. Would you steer someone towards, you know, as you get started, just do something like Etsy? Would you say that's the way to go? I would, if you know what you're doing as far as the search engine optimization, but I wouldn't say mm-hmm. if you don't know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get um, caught up like in the, what do they call it? Paralysis of the analysis. Yeah. I would say just start. Um, and I'm just gonna, I don't want to, oh, okay. I didn't get it. I'm just going to look at my stats quick here to tell you, for example, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just going to go for this month. Um, oh, and they're down. I want to say that Etsy drives, um, it's at least 80 to 85% of the traffic wow. and orders to our shop. That's so a lot. it is, it is. And, and that's where you want it to be. Like that's, that's how tight you want your target words. And that's, yeah, that's how cinched up you want that to be. You want Etsy to be driving, driving that traffic so to your course shop. Is definitely worth it. For sure. <laughs> It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So on the other side of that, if you just have the Instagram shopping or Facebook mark, and I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but either way, you would have to put so much more time into the, and I already feel right. like I kind of get tapped out. Sometimes I enjoy doing the social media, but I don't feel like if I'm feeling burned out from it or feel it like, Oh, I don't know what to post today. Oh, oh good point. you know, I don't, right. you can't take a break from social. Exactly, if that's where your sale that is, is yeah. your exactly where if I want to take a break, I mean, for a day, two days, at least Etsy is still driving traffic to our store on, on the other side of that. Um, so it's a little more automated. So that's a good for point. sure. Yeah. And I mean, like when we go back to my story of taking a day off and setting up an Etsy shop, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It's pretty quick to do. It was, it was really quick. It was very easy. Um, but also I just kind of wanted something that made me look legit right off the bat, instead of just making a oh, Facebook page and saying, right. um, just DM me if you want to buy one of these, you know, um, that's a good point I, too. The professional <laughs> yeah. aspect. That's true. It does look a lot different. Look, 
but yeah. I also didn't know I wanted to look more legit than uh, send me a message if you want to buy one of these I'll meet you down at the gas station yeah. for cash <laughs> you know it just I wanted to have a professional appearance about it and I knew that I could achieve that with Etsy pretty quickly and I mean I had that wrapped up by the time Kevin got home <laughs> that <laughs> afternoon <laughs> it, no that's it, a really it, that's a really good point because I think I think a lot of people think about making these, um, and I know I've seen people, you know, do these at, like I said, you know, a church craft vendor kind of thing, or, you know, your town has Mm -hmm. some kind of festival and you can set up a booth or whatever it might be. Um, but there is definitely a perception difference, I think from, for something like a craft specific, I mean, like if I'm just like, Hey, my name's Roxanne. I have a farm. I sell, um, you know, pastured, pastured pork for example, or, or mm-hmm. farm fresh eggs or whatever. And like, you can just show up as yourself and like, oh yeah, I have a farm. It's over here in this town. And people are like, oh, that's great. You know, cause like you have an address I could come see, like you actually have a farm and that's quote unquote mm-hmm. professional enough, you know? Yep. Um, yep. And that's, that's definitely a different presentation than like, hi, I'm Roxanne or hi, I'm Beth. And I make these signs in my, in my garage or my basement. And like, I'm just trying to get some cash, you know, and I can only do cash because yeah. I'm at a, I'm at a vendor's stand and there's nothing right. wrong with starting that way absolutely we're not no. we're not dissing anybody who starts that way because everybody's got to start somewhere but exactly. long term yep. that's not going to be something that looks like a business long term that's not you know beth's wooden signs or beth's cutting boards isn't going to be an etsy store that really grows yep. long term um because yep. it doesn't have the branding and it doesn't have the you know the marketing approach necessarily but yep. um yeah i like that point about you know, for something like this, especially there's, there's a product and a product really always needs a reputation behind it. You want that reputation to be good. If you can put the care and the attention into your presentation, people can expect that you are hopefully most likely going to put the same kind of care and presentation into the after, you know, after you buy it, the yep. customer service, the, the packaging, the whole kind of the whole deal. But yeah. Um, that was actually another question I wanted to ask in terms of, do you guys do any like farmer's market vendors, that kind of thing? And with that, it sounds like if you wanted to grow this into something big right now, do you feel like it's more seasonal in terms of, you know, as you're in this first few years, beginning stages, wherever you might be, you obviously were saying like you had a lot more influx of sales Christmas time. And so, okay, we've got like a mm-hmm. pool of cash, but you know, I can't necessarily consistently say I'm going to make, I don't know, $500 a month off of this business. And that pays for my groceries every month, or that pays for my chicken feed every month. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's perhaps, it sounds like it's more of a business where it's like, you might make nothing in July and August because people aren't buying cutting boards and Mm -hmm. maybe you'll start getting some sales trickling in, in like September, October, um, you know, as people Christmas shop, and then you'll make like, $1,500, $2,000 in November, December is people Christmas shop. And then January, it's like, I made like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you kind of have waves like that. So what can you, what can you kind of do to level that out? So we, and we do have waves like that. Um, we have pretty consistent sales. Um, I was surprised last year and I mean, we're still, this is only our third year. So, I mean, you get more traction and, and learn every year. So one thing that I've been able to do 
My aunt and uncle have a large pumpkin farm that people visit every year. I think it's like the third largest attraction in New York state. And they aren't Pumpkinville, are they? Yeah, they are. (gasps) Are they really? Yeah. Did you go this year? I've never been there, but I've heard of it. We keep meeting to go and we never go. (laughs) Well, that is them. (laughs) That's very cool to know. I know a ton of people that do go there. Yeah. So, um, one of the things we've been able to do that really has helped us scale just because I don't want to make a bunch of signs and be like, all right, well, I hope that somebody buys it. I'm going to put it in my shop now. And then two years later, it's still sitting up the stairs in the barn. Nobody's bought it. (laughs) Or, you know, you just don't, there's only so much room we have in our house for things like that too, but they've allowed us to bring in signs there to sell. Mm -hmm. And so I can make stuff fall is busy because I can make a ton of fall things and take down there and sell them. Not only am I getting Halloween signs and yeah. Yeah. Not only am I getting the income from the signs that we're physically selling there, we're able to take pictures of them and put them in our shop and people are able to buy them there too. So you can kind of see. If nothing else, it's a marketing opportunity for sure. Just to see the name of the business. Yep, absolutely. And we've had people come through on Etsy and just write a little note. Hey, saw your stuff at Pumpkinville, really loved it. And so they're seeing the tag and then Very cool. visiting our shop later. Yeah. Very so, cool. And yeah. even like this was our third year. We just finished up our third year there too. And it was mm-hmm. our best year ever. But I mean, you kind of know after some time, it's like, okay, well, people there at that market are not buying like the classic but um like the classic beautiful fall sayings like right they're buying more of the fun stuff they're buying yeah we're here for the booze we're here you know um, (laughs) right right like the sexy witch stuff which is really fun but it's taken us a little bit of time to figure out what people want right so you change and pivot and then this year we we sold almost all of it and in turn, we're able to turn around and sell it on online too. So I think there are seasons for that too. We can mm-hmm. make spring, spring decor. Oh yeah. You've had say, a ton all year. Yeah. I've seen like 4th of July, Memorial Day, all, yes. like all sorts of stuff. I love that yeah. you guys have done that too. I think a lot of people get a craft. They think of like, you know, okay, oh, we can do a bunch of stuff for Christmas. And then it's like, mm-hmm. well, what do we do the rest of the year? But you guys yep. have taken like every holiday, every season, Mm-hmm. like first snow has something <laughs> when the first yeah. you know snow's melting you guys have it's like anything you yeah. can think of that's like worth even the tiniest note like if it's going to be an instagram story you guys have a sign we're doing it, it. <laughs> you know? we're doing it Absolutely. but we've the on the on the other end of scaling i think that our handmade business really complements what we've been able to do on the farm side of business. Like we sell, we sell pork and eggs and um, New York state does not have a, um, they have a poultry exemption. So you're able to sell, Mm -hmm. I want to say it's 1600 or 2000 meat birds that you've processed or have not been processed at a, um, at a butcher shop. You're able to sell those legally. Um, so we're actually for, in the yeah. process of last fall, we had concrete poured off the side of our shop and just the summer we had the roof, like we're doing it as we get the cash, no debt, but I got doors and windows put on today. So we're doing, nice. it's going to be a small storefront off of our shop. 
where I can have um, coolers of our farm products, meat, eggs, um, whatever summer produce we have, if I want to do flowers, mm-hmm. all of that. And then I think that complements our handmade business nicely. And I want to make it kind of like an old mercantile feel. And oh, I love it. And work with other small farms in our area that might have alpaca or soap or honey. Um, and we have maple products this year too. Um, we dabbled at that this mm-hmm. year and it went really well. So another thing, like if you can find those things that New York state doesn't have all the red tape on and still put out a good product, it's a little bit easier. Um, yeah. yeah so, anybody and, listening, that's not from New York. New York has a, yeah, lot, no idea. a lot more yeah, restrictions no idea. than other states do. <laughs> there are some yeah. where it's actually a little bit better. Um, I have just total side note. Like I have a friend that, or my cousin that lives in Virginia who's been looking for homesteading land and they actually have some really interesting like zoning restrictions in terms of what you can and can't have that. Like they have density code in terms of like, you can only have a horse on this many acres and not more than like two horses per certain number. Like they actually Hmm. have like, it's a ratio of like one horse needs this much space. So like if you need an acre and a half or something for one horse, if you have, you know, two acres, you can't have two horses. Oh, wow. Whereas huh. like there's people in other States and even in New York where it's like, eh, I got a half acre pasture. That's enough for a horse. Yeah, it's we're like, going to put a couple horses on right, there. And- yeah. They'll cram <laughs> yeah. horses in anywhere, but yep. Yep. yeah, really huh. interesting. So, but yeah, New York in terms of farm sales, farm product is a lot. It can be tough, A lot, but I mean, we, we took a lot of time last winter when we we're, you know, kind of dreaming of what this could be took some time mm-hmm. last winter. And we have a very, very good butcher that we send all of our stuff to that we love but they're not USDA inspected. So for right now, Ooh, yeah. we only have the capability of selling pork by the half or whole. And for right. the beef really too, half whole quarter, you can't sell it by the piece. And so right, by the cut. we, yep. yeah. And, and I think that that's where a lot of the money is quite honestly. And oh, some absolutely. people don't, they don't have the money or freezer space to buy a whole half a beef or half a hog. Um, a lot of people don't want to spend $300 up front for, freezer freezer meat they just right. want to go someplace for a it pack of a bacon huge, or it is a huge expense or, yeah it can be to me it's worth it but other people don't want to you know and I and I get that I get that totally so right. we've been kind of jumping around um we visited a butcher I want to say I can't remember exactly where it was it was a drive it was a long drive but we wanted to try a lot of their stuff first to make sure it was something that we were comfortable selling to mm-hmm. our customers too. And we were happy with them. So we're going to try them out soon. Like I said, the, the stores, it's a ways away, but it's a start. And for us, like that's, I don't want any debt going into this business, but Absolutely. we're just working at, at the speed of cash to make, to make it happen. So that's kind of, and I mean, down the line, maybe that store gets busy enough that we put a bigger one on our property and our own butcher shop. And, you know, it just, it, it comes with time. You can't right. You know, it's, it's fun to dream, but you can't expect that you're going to be five years down the road right now. You know, right. You gotta, you have to, there's value in the process. I think. I love that you're using the sign business as kind of like it's morphing from, oh, I'm going to do this on the side. Maybe someday I'll quit my job. Now it's my main gig kind of, (laughs) and then you're going to use it to turn into like this full like experience 
And it's, it, you know, in, in the, in the storefront kind of situation, it almost becomes like, I hate to say it, like a side, like novelty item almost, but it yet is still like the main driving force of getting people now to come visit your actual storefront when they're in in the area or, you know, they live nearby or whatever. And that's just a really cool way of, because I think a lot of people like, and what we're doing is that it's like, I have a farm and here it is. Come to my farm, come to my farm, come to my farm, come buy my stuff. You know, and I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. try and sell their farm stuff first. And that's, that's a very cool and very unique way that you guys are kind of, kind of going in from like the back end of it. Yeah. It's like like a backward backdoor kind of way. For your weekly eggs and you're constantly seeing signs in there. Maybe you're not going to buy one right now, but come Christmas season, you know what I mean? Like when you're coming up for your weekly eggs. Yeah. it's always it's always in front of you always at the forefront of yeah so I, and I mean down the line I'd like to be in a position where maybe we're making bread on Saturday mornings it, it, and maybe it's not every day you know you can't start right. out right weekly saying we're gonna have fresh bread every day but if people know you for having bread on Saturday mornings or I don't know it's, it's all right you know you no, start I'm with out you. and I'm then mm-hmm. and then you see what people want you know and then you make changes and that's you know what you, what you got to do. You sound like a lot of the conversations that we've been having too, of like the different kinds of ideas of like, Oh, well, if we offer this, then we could offer that too. And they'd go together and it would get people in. So like, if somebody, like you're saying, somebody comes in for eggs, they might buy a sign. Somebody wants to come see Mm -hmm. your signs in person because they live nearby. Oh, let me get eggs while I'm here. And yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of stuff we've been talking about of like, if we can get somebody here for this and then while they're here, they see that, then they're also going to want to buy like product number three, four, and five and Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of that whole, and it doesn't always happen right now, but I mean, constantly being at the forefront of somebody's mind, you know, that people say that you have to see something, you know, seven or eight times before it registers. And maybe that's just online too. But I think when you physically get somebody to to show up too. It's not right now you're going to buy a sign with your eggs, but maybe in right. two months when you have a gift for a baby shower or whatever, you're right. coming back to it, you know, or a family so, birthday gift or yeah. Yeah. If I'm here, yeah. oh, I have, a, you know, even if it's like, I only come once a month to buy eggs, like, oh, somebody's mm-hmm. got a birthday next month. I'll just grab it while I'm here. That way I don't have yeah. to worry about coming back on time or yeah. 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 No, that's, that totally makes sense. I yeah. love that concept. I yeah. have two more questions for you. Sure. We're to be, we've been here for a while now. I don't want to take up your whole day. I'm having um, fun with this. Okay. You guys do not have kids, correct? Nope. Nope. Right. So how would you say that that might have affected, um, I guess your time, like obviously it affects your time availability, but how would you say, or, or could you guess how that might have changed the picture of things? If you guys did have that in the mix, even if, you know, obviously kids have their own expenses that come with them, they have time expense, Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, if you're not comfortable answering the question, if you just want to totally avoid it, go for it. But, um, if you're willing to answer, how would that perhaps affect what someone might be looking at in terms of like growth or the ability to kind of make this work? Yeah, I think I, it's a good question. Uh, obviously we do have an advantage because we have the, have more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, I can't speak to the other side of that because I don't have, I don't have them, but I can see how it could pull at you. You'd have to really be a lot more tight on your time management. I would think, um, whether that's using time 
and time blocks when your kids are at school or daycare, or would it be beneficial for you to pay a babysitter for three hours? I mean, if your kids were not school age for three hours mm-hmm. and really buckle down and fly through what you had to get done without kids around in three hours, right. um, time blocking, things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think People that that's really hear my kids in the background right now yelling and throwing toys <laughs> <Yeah>. at each <laughs> other. <laughs> but it's um, relatable, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm so I mean, in terms we of, definitely have an advantage, but right. Time is a huge thing. Would you say that mm-hmm. it would make a huge difference in terms of, I'm thinking like, you know, the sawmill kind of aspect and cutting down trees and everything in terms of like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you can still do an Etsy listing and you can do social media with kids. Cause there are tons mm-hmm. of moms out there. I mean, shoot, everybody oh, yeah. listening. I'm doing, I'm doing an interview right now for our podcast and my kids are, are yeah. doing, you know, their workbooks in the other room. So like you can mm-hmm. overlap, but in terms of like the actual sawmill, there's obviously a safety concern there. You know, you can't mm-hmm. really take your kids to the shop when you're going to go, you know, cut lumber and stuff. Um, no, I mean, would not you say that that would be older or something. But right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's true. Older kids could perhaps even help, like give them a broom and yeah. tell them to sweep the floor. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, would you say that that would make it something that would make it, um, you know, obviously like, well, not obviously, but I think in most situations, in most families still, it's going to be, you know, the husband, the dad that goes and does like the sawmill stuff, right? Same yeah. as you guys do that. Like, that's yeah. just guys like tools, guys like lumber, exactly. you know, most, most likely exactly. that's how it's going to be. Um, so in terms of like, if, if, you know, I'm going to say daddy's going to go run to the sawmill kind of thing, um, especially like in your guys' situation, like if we took exactly you guys, we drop kids in there. If mm-hmm. Kevin is still the one who knows the lumber and he's going and doing it, um, how would that, and I know this is, this is kind of a you know hard question to answer since you guys don't have the kids, but how would you think that would change in terms of how would that make it different if you had kids in the mix? Like, would you, would you think that that's still, I mean, everybody knows it's going to kind of change the schedule, you know what I'm getting yeah. at, but in terms of yeah, like, but I mean, you know, I daddy's got to go work right. now more hours and not be around the family Mm -hmm. for safety and and et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I think like you said, naturally, like, and I'm not putting myself down for, but naturally it's the guy that's going to go out and do, and do, do those things. I don't know. That's not my skill. Um, Right. Whether you know or not, it's, yeah, they just tend to like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kids, I think would probably, the female's going to be staying home with them until they're old enough that they could help and throw some boards or something something around, but I think it's right. too, like the, the time blocking, you know, we all, we all right. have distractions, but I mean, I think it kind of comes back to what is the quote that I'm thinking of? Um, you, I'm trying to remember it. Um, like the th- something about like, you make the time for the things you want to do or else it doesn't, mm, Yeah, yeah. you know I'm what I mean? Like if about. you, if you have to do it, you'll find a way to figure it out, even if it's going to take you a little bit longer, even if you're teaching a kid along the way, how to do something. And it takes a little bit longer. Now the time investment that you're putting into it might pay off in two years. Um, if they can take on some, some of the stuff, if they can paint some boards for you or print, you know, do some shipping for you. And I mean, that's right. Right not toddler age stuff, but I think there's value in kids seeing their parents work for something too. Yeah. I, I absolutely, I mean, we've been having these conversations with our kids of like, you know, there's some boundaries that, I mean, my kids are four and six, so we've had to have some of that talk and, 
kind of building off what you said of like they can see you doing it that it's like okay mm-hmm. mom's got to work now you know and yeah like right now is maybe the exception I don't normally work at 10 o'clock in the morning while we're recording this but mm-hmm. you know this is when it works they're okay they're doing their workbooks you know homeschool tasks kind of homework we'll call it yeah um so yeah. you know we make it work and we've we've partly done this lifestyle and this homeschooling and stuff so that we can shift it around farm chores or recording podcasts or whatever kind of this multifaceted mm-hmm. thing we're working on um, but I like what you said about even teaching the kids to help too, because I think that that just from a, like, you guys are obviously two very, very hardworking people. And you've talked about how, like, you've always been that way. You've always been frugal and like, I'm going to make do with what I have and stuff. And I think that that carries through as, um, something for people to hear both for themselves, as well as for doing this with kids in the mix, even if you guys mm-hmm. aren't, um, because I'm thinking like, you know, you're saying toddlers maybe can't do this, that, or the other, but I could see where it could be a business asset for a social media standpoint, maybe that like mm-hmm. my kids too, and they stuff wadded up newspaper or cardboard paper or whatever yeah. it is into the box for shipping. And like, they yeah. love it. And this is just fun for them, but look at, it, it's truly a family business in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. You could give your kids cardstock when they're you know, one and let them finger paint something on there. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's your custom thank you cards that you stick in with your product and sure. say, you know, thanks for your order. And so um that was kind of why I wanted to ask you yeah. this time thing is that it sounds like, you know, I think anybody with parents knows obviously everything takes longer than it should. It took us three hours to plant like literally five pots of seeds yesterday that would have oh. taken me like 30 minutes yeah and I'm just sitting there the yeah. whole time I'm like it's for the kids uh. it's for the kids it's for them <laughs> it's for the experience and it's just like I can feel my skin crawling I'm getting so frustrated with this time right yeah. but but still like the idea of you know doing that like we've been debating that my son for some reason has decided he's Johnny Appleseed every apple he eats he's like we have to save the seeds I'm like no That's we don't awesome. we have like 37 seeds we don't have ever for that many trees here <laughs> But like, wouldn't that be a dream someday to let him plant his seeds? And, you know, but it yeah. kind of got us thinking like, you know, I'm not going to say we're, we're using our kids, but the idea of can your kids help and, you know, from a kind of old fashioned values kind of standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. These old handmade goods obviously have an allure more so than machined stuff at the stores, right? Or you couldn't mm-hmm. sell them and you certainly couldn't sell them like, for a higher cost for your cutting board than what target sells, for example, but mm-hmm. people want that uniqueness. They want the different story of where it came from and everything. And so if you can fit your kids into that, right, maybe you're going to make, I don't know, I'm thinking of like one of your wooden signs. If it was like, you know, our like family rules or something that you could have your kids do their handprint kids help sure. make it, you know, mm-hmm. and isn't that a cool touch that it's like, okay, it's not your handprints. I'm the sign in your house, but you know, for an abstract kind of sign like that, fitting your kids in, you know, and I, I think that's actually the cool part about talking to somebody who's been doing this from a no kids standpoint is that you guys are like, this is our business. This is what we're doing. It's awesome. And now people listening, like, I'm just sitting here challenging you. How can you get your kids to fit into that business? Sure. Yeah. I think that's cool. Cause like Pumpkinville, your kids can go and, you know, like have fun there. Yeah. Yeah. And show off a sign or something. They could, like I said, make, you know, the thank you cards, and even if it's a tiny little piece, but the biggest thing of, you know, continuing to work for what's best for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think yeah. that's totally great. Kind of going back now to you guys, your actual mm-hmm. family, um, kind of a wrap up question, two parts to it. One, um, 
How would you say that this business has affected your journey to finding good living in your own little, Mm -hmm. you know, bubble there? And for anybody who's, who's listening, who's kind of living this farm life or trying to start maybe a similar sort of, I'll call it handmade goods, craft sort of business at home, whether it's wood signs or not, um, or just even starting a farm and kind of getting it up and going, what would your best advice be? And I know you've, you've kind of mentioned it here and there throughout our recording, but what would your best advice be for if you feel like quitting, don't do it? I think for, for me, and especially this year, I've really learned which, and it's, it's different because I just think where we grow up and the mindset of this area, like I kind of touched on, it's, it's different here. When Mm -hmm. you get a good job, people think or presume or kind of tell you you're set. Oh, if you get in there, you're set. If you get into this place, you're good. You know, you're Mm -hmm. good till retirement. And there's a guilt or shame associated if it's, I'm not going to say not good enough because that's not what I want to say, but I just, I've learned this year that our path isn't always linear. There's not always, you don't have to go to a nine to five every day to be happy or fulfilled. A lot of that comes from, I mean, there's risk in, in leaving someplace or running, run, you know, running a business beside a full-time job until you're able to jump, even if it's Mm -hmm. not as much money as what you are making, there's risk involved. But if you've taken the steps to eliminate debt and things, then you're able to do it without all the risk being involved. As far as quitting, I think, or getting started, I think, I think you can start small. I don't think that, and we've, we've lived this too. I don't think that you have to do everything all at once. You don't have to say, okay, I'm going to start a farm. I need to go buy 12 acres and a tractor and all of these things. You can start with some chickens. You can start with a garden. You can start by asking your neighbor to come over and plow for you. You don't have to have the tractor. Um, You can rent a rototiller from the hardware store, probably, you know, (laughs) there's a million things that you can do so I, I think, I just think that there's a, it's not really a stigma, but that you have to have all this equipment and all this money to be able to do it. And that's not the case. And that's not how we started at all. Um, it's grown. And as we've wanted to get equipment or thought that it would make it easier to get equipment, then that's what we've, that's what we've done, but it certainly didn't start like, didn't start like that. And I think it's always good for, for me to keep in mind. And for, for, I guess for everybody to keep in mind too, that you can't, when you start something, you can't start by comparing your beginning to somebody else's middle and where they are and then getting discouraged. Um, the -hmm. comparison game can, is, it can be a real trap. It is poison. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Start where you are and do what you can, you know? ask people for help instead of getting frustrated, look around and start getting scrappy. 
I, I need to get this done. I want to get this done, but I don't have the money. How can I make it happen? Can I barter? Can I rent? Can I, you know, how can you get it done without, you know, buying a bunch of, buying a bunch of stuff that you're not going to use every day or need every day or, you know, um, I don't know. Does that make sense? That. Absolutely. No, I'm like, everything you're saying is totally resonating with where we are right now as we're having the conversation about, you know, we're at the point where we're like, all right, you know, life would be a heck of a lot easier if we did have like a tractor with a bucket on it, but mm -hmm. what size do we need? What do we really need it to be able to do? You know, like we both would love mm -hmm. like, you know, the big giant, you know, tractor that's taller than we are, but mm -hmm. is that really, you know, is that really reasonable? But I, right. I really like the, the comment you made just now about, um, you know, you don't have to have the money necessarily to get started and do it. And I think that that's especially that comparison game. When you look at these farms that like these people have been farming and their Instagram page is gorgeous, but they've been at it for like five, 10 years or something by now mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. seeing something 10 years in the making, even though you maybe just made your Instagram page now, or just, you know, closed on your farm last week or something, mm -hmm. or even like us a mm -hmm. year ago, you know, that like when I look back, it's like, wow, we've done a lot in a year, but it's like, wow, look how yeah. far we still have to go. But it's just like, which direction are you going to face? Are you going to look at how far you have to go? Or are you going to look at how far you came? Um, right. I was just talking right. to another, actually not just a, a farm friend, but one of our, our upcoming interviews, I was just talking to her the other day. And she said the exact same thing that, um, you know, you don't, I think that's actually a really common misconception is that people think like, wow, you're doing a farm. You must be rich. And I, I love, mm. I forget where I've read it like a thousand times, but they, that saying of like, you know, a hundred years ago, you only owned a horse if you were a poor person and you had to be rich to own a car. And now today it's the opposite where you have to be poor, you know, or poor people own cars and rich people own horses Oh um, yeah, because they yeah. are like total money holes these days, but it's yeah. that same kind of idea that people I think nowadays a lot really have this misconception that you basically have to be like independently wealthy to have been able to buy a farm mm -hmm. and do this, you know, and, and maybe not quite that extreme, but you mm -hmm. know, you probably had a six figure a year income in your house to be able to buy land. And honestly, with land prices where they are, you, you might, oh. you know, depending on where you live, <laughs> but especially in New York, it's getting bad, but, uh -huh. um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's that idea that you don't have to have a huge income and you also don't need to, you know, fall back on farming if you're, you know, poverty level income or something. It's not like a poor people, like, right. There's that misconception of like the only people who farm are people who can't afford to do, you know, college. You couldn't afford to send your kids to college or you couldn't afford to go get a good job or, you know, mm -hmm. you weren't smart enough to get a good job. And I think they're like what you were saying, like there's that misconception of, well, you're doing good if you go and get this full-time job and make so yeah. much money a year and everything. And it's like, is it, is that really true? Or are you doing better when you're actually happy with how you spend your eight hours of nine to five? Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I think, yes. and you definitely kind of got on that in the beginning of your, of your episode here of, you know, you were at your job and you're like, I stayed, you know, some years, years too long in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I but love I think that point though of, Yeah. To, to me, it's like motivating to see, is, is there a correlation between what money you're bringing back and how much work you're putting into too, right. you know, right. to me that that's the motivating, the motivating part. Um, 
Yeah. And it is, it is nice to have the flexibility of the time. And oh gosh, yes. yeah, n- your, your path doesn't have to be a linear nine to five job. You know, there's a lot of paths, a lot of different ways to make income and make things work without having to go to a job that you don't like every day. Absolutely. So, we were, we were running some numbers the other day too, for some stuff we're working on for the, the finding good living kind of side of the business here, but, um, trying to calculate, you know, okay, if you did this as like, you know, sell eggs or whatever, and kind of like the cost, you know, the expenses and everything that goes into like an egg business and how many hours it takes and everything. And we are trying to run the numbers on like that. And I don't know, like six different, you know, classic, we'll call it farm products kind of businesses you might run. And we're doing the math and it's like, okay, if you could, if you could do this, right. And put in like a couple hours a day to raise pigs or something, for example, they're a pretty low, low effort animal for the average mm-hmm. day. Um, and it's like, if you could do that and, you know, you got to have them butchered and sell them for this price or whatever. But, you know, if you're on average, given your hourly input, yes, you're working 365 days a year kind of thing. But if you're making 15 bucks an hour to do a couple days or a couple hours worth of work per day, and you're loving every second of it, is that better mm-hmm. than a $20 an hour job? Right. Like exactly. in my opinion, hell yeah. Where you're <laughs> sitting there all day thinking, long, right? Exactly. Where you're sitting there thinking, oh, I have all this stuff to do when I get home. If I can't, you know, when I mm-hmm. get home, I have all this stuff to do. You know, I think there's value right. in working for yourself and doing something for yourself. For me, there is. And, and maybe yeah. not everybody is, is like that. And that's fine. Everybody, you know, has their own path and might not want to work for themselves or do something for themselves. And, and that's, perfectly okay too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Totally. It sounds like, it sounds like that's what you guys have been doing with your business. What you just said of like, you come home and you think of all the other things you have to do. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think what you're, what you're getting at is the idea that instead of, you know, working and living life in the fringe, I guess you're talking about doing the opposite, that your work is part of living your life and the stuff that goes mm-hmm. in the fringe is like, you know, the icing on the cake, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you only go yeah. to a birthday party every so often. And that's obviously outside normal quote unquote work hours. Right. But you know, you're still at home and you can take your dogs for a walk in the middle of the day, yeah. if you feel like it, or you could just like yep. take an afternoon off. Cause I don't want to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, no, that's exactly it. But you know, I try to get most of our work done in the morning and then our, um, our afternoons are flexible, but like today it's raining. So I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll fit a dog walk in whenever you can work around the weather. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to have the flexibility to do that. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So if people have more questions, follow-up thoughts about this, want to reach out to you and, and pick your brain to get themselves started or anything, um, mm-hmm. I hope they can, where is the best yeah. place for them to find you? And tell us, like, tell us where to follow you. Um, if they want to take a look at what you have for sale, because mm-hmm. they just think you're awesome and they're going to totally copycat you and steal all your <laughs> ideas. <laughs> where can they find that, etc.? If they want to shop, where can they? Because like I'm sitting here thinking about like oh, maybe I should get a cutting board for like my niece that just got her first apartment <laughs> last year. I'm like she could get a cutting board. That would be cool. Oh, for sure. But um, yeah, so tell us where we can where we can follow, where we can find you and connect. Yeah, the best place to find me is on Instagram and it's home to roost co 
um, somebody else already had home to roost. So I had to add a CO. Oh, that's okay. Company. It's more official. It's more yeah. Official. Home to roost co CO um, is my Instagram handle. And in my bio, there our Etsy uh, link is right there. And you okay. can see all of our products um, and our farm and our dogs and <laughs> all the things, day in the life. all the things. Yeah. A day in the life on there. So I okay. try to try to share what I can so that I can build a story behind our brand. But I think mm-hmm. um, over on Instagram, I found um, definitely a really good community of friends and resources and people. And we have a lot of fun over there, I think. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Come join. Awesome. Yeah. I hope yeah. everybody comes and joins. It's such a great yeah, me spot. Too. The interview I did earlier <laughs> this is. week, she said the same thing. She's like the homesteading community on Instagram is so great. And it is it really, as yep, we were talking about that. But. It is. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add as final thoughts for whether it's for like your business, the cutting boards, business in general, farm life, inspiration, any last thoughts? Yeah, I, I think we've covered it, but I do, I will say that um, if you're thinking of starting anything, whether it be a farm, a business, anything, um, I, we are a testimony that you can just start. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have to have <laughs> grand plans or anything in place. Just literally start. Um, the rest will, maybe that's not the best advice, but that's, that's working for me, for me. Sometimes, sometimes you can get so caught up in the, where do I start that it prevents you from starting. So just start the rest, you know, put one foot in front of the other and just start. Get an idea in your head, have at least a marginally functional quote unquote plan. Like yeah. I plan on having chickens. <laughs> I plan yeah, I mean, on yeah, get raising. Yeah, yeah. don't do something irresponsible and, and, and go it. buy a bunch of horses with no oh God, fence yeah. or pasture. Don't don't do that. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're speaking to me because I saw a cow for sale last week, and I was like, <laughs> oh, we should go get it. And I'm Need like, it. I don't even have, I don't even have, I don't have a single fence that would work. Like our <laughs> our fencing, like we literally. For people who haven't seen my Instagram here that are listening, we literally built goat stalls in a pole barn out of pallets that we got for oh, free. So, uh, which is like super right. That's my scrappy story. <laughs> but I like I'm literally did it. at it, and I'm like, yeah, a cow wouldn't fit in here. And I was like, well, a cow would fit in that stall, and it's pretty sturdy. Like, you know, I'm watching these goats like headbutt each other into it, and I'm like, it would hold up a cow. And and then we're looking at like different breeds, and we came across Dexters, and I'm like, oh, but they're small. It, fit and my husband's like that's a really great idea but what pasture are we gonna put them in because like our whole property's (laughs) overgrown and yeah Mm -hmm. so that's that's maybe a good example of like I have a plan to have a cow someday but maybe don't jump on that plan just yet not right now (laughs) not right now got a little work to do first (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. have at least have at least three steps in line make sure you, you can see at least the next step ahead before you jump but yes Yes. But just start. Don't get, don't get caught up in all the details that you're afraid to start. Learn as you go. It'll all fall out how it's meant to. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's what I got. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. More of your time than I thought we were going to take, but no, that's all right. Absolutely fantastic. Easy. And I enjoyed talking to you. So here we are on the other end of this long episode, but 
I hope you got as much value out of it as I did listening to her and talking with her. The biggest takeaways that I want to bring to your attention, hoping they're matching with yours. Her phrase, I love it, get scrappy. You don't have to have the money right up front to get started with some big, huge operation. All you have to do is get started and be creative about it. That if you've got to borrow equipment or barter for equipment, if you have to go throw hay on somebody's farm in order to quote unquote pay them for you know, using their tractor on your farm to get a job done, whatever it might be. I think just as a farm tip on the whole, that's great advice to just really don't compare. Don't look at where your plans are going. Don't think you're going to accelerate it and all of a sudden snap your fingers and be five years down the road in the next five months. Just have an idea, have a plan, go for it, do the work for it. Kind of along with that, I love that she mentioned, we talked about the SEO course that she took because she knew they recognized that it's not just as simple as making a product, throwing it up on an Etsy store and boom, the sales are just going to roll in. The fact that she identified, Hey, this is going to be a huge hurdle to us really getting the sales that we want. And so she went, she made the extra investment, took that SEO course that was specifically tailored towards Etsy. And I'll put a link for that in the companion post that goes with this on our website. Um, But I love that she took that course, saw the difference, did the work for it, was willing to spit. And I think that's something people don't do often, willing to sit and spend the time, not necessarily on the product, but on the business, because that's a piece that I think a lot of people don't always see. It's not just about the product. If you're making a cutting board, or if you're knitting blankets or making soap, yes, the product matters, the presentation matters, the packaging matters, the whole customer experience matters. But what also matters is your marketing. And I love that she kind of got into that by saying, hey, this is what we did. Look at these huge results we've had that now Etsy's almost doing some of their marketing for them by recommending them to shoppers. So I think that was huge. I loved how she talked about Kevin going through and kind of cutting out some standard sizes and keeping a stock of those ready to go for their, um, for their wood signs, for their, you know, sayings, farmhouse stuff, because they had to go through those growing pains to learn that. But having those boards pre-cut, ready to go, having a stock of them, huge increase in the efficiency of their process, the more efficient you can make it, you're charging the same price, but you're doing it faster your labor costs now, your value, your hourly rate essentially goes up a bit by doing that. Um, and the major, other major thing that I took away, start to finish customer service. They're making a product. They're doing it with a customer connection. They're making sure that, you know, they're presenting this product as like, hey, this is why it matters to us. We're sending you a piece of our farm. And all the way down to, and I've, I've actually since purchased from them, all the way down to their packaging. It's got a little kind of a, a custom touch, having the little brochure that has a little blurb about them and their farm that they put care instructions in there for how to take care of your product. Cause there's a lot of stuff you could buy, whether it's on Etsy or on Amazon or from the store where you buy it. And if you need to know how to maintain it, it's up to you to know that you need to maintain it when you buy it. Hop on Google, go figure out the instructions for it. So the fact that they go the extra step to say, hey, don't just buy from us, or you know, don't just 
get this product from us, also get some knowledge on how to make it last. That is huge value in terms of purchase value. It's a high quality product. You're giving me what I need to keep it a high quality product and extend the life of that product. So kind of looking at that whole long-term picture too of start to finish, what are you selling? What's the entire life cycle of that product? Not just how do you make it, how do you make it really worth your customer's eyes, worth their money, worth their word of mouth, telling their friends about it. So that was some of my biggest takeaways. Obviously, this is a long episode, so we'll cut this quick, but huge, huge value, I think, from this one. Really, really cool product. You heard where to connect with her. You know you can find the link uh, on our website, findinggoodliving.com slash podcast, where you can always listen to the latest episode right there in the embedded player. You can listen on your favorite apps, of course, as you probably already are. You can find the companion article for this post is going to be on the Homesteading 101 page. We're going to call it Cutting Boards. We'll see you guys next time.